Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 268. And I am extremely excited to have the esteemed, the magnificent, the wonderful, the smart, the toughest nails, maven of media buying, minister of media buying from Tier 11 back for another episode of What's Working Now, none other than Angela the Polka Dot Puncher. Um, Ponsford. I always mess it up. It's not the polka dot puncher, is it? I can't even remember what we used to call me. Polka dot. Dotty. Polka dot. Dotty. That's right. So Ange is our VP of media buying, all kidding aside, and used to be a, a rough and tumble roller derby puncher. So that's why we say she's a polka dot puncher. I don't actually know if she punched anybody, but she probably did. Oh, no. But she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She punches out high CPAs and low ROAS every single day of the week over at Tier 11. So that's why she's on these episodes to talk about what's working now inside Tier 11. And uh, also some of the things that we've learned in a tumultuous couple of months here, it's like just been business as usual for the last three or four months at Tier 11, hasn't it, Ange? Oh, yes, not, not much going on. Nothing. It's been, been a quiet July. It's been a quiet July. Yeah, it's been a quiet spring, basically reinvented most of our business. We, we rolled out, I think, seven new products, mm. launched the Agency Accelerator, which is our program to help agencies do what we do or know what we know so they can scale up their agencies and help more people on the Facebook platform and other platforms. And in the midst of it all, we brought on a ton of new customers, believe it or not. We did experience some you know, customer attrition when the whole pandemic did hit, but we recovered and we're coming out of this thing stronger than ever right now. I don't know if we're out of it at all. Hopefully we are out of it. Speaking, you know, I definitely know that things are going to be in a better spot after January of next year, uh, hopefully here in the U.S., hopefully with somebody new in charge at the highest office, not to get political. But the point is, is that we are we're rocking and rolling here at Tier 11 and, and helping a lot of businesses do some great things on Facebook and Instagram. So that's what Ange is going to be talking about here, what's working now, what we've learned, as well as like some other things that have gone on just in the last month or so, like there's been a lot of things going on with privacy and then, you know, other social issues. And then last but not least, we'll talk to you guys about some client highlights that we're rather proud about and uh, pretty excited to be able to grow businesses faster through Facebook and Instagram ads at Tier 11. So with that very lengthy intro, Ange, I know you are doing some recruiting here at Tier 11 as well. Tell us about that. Yes. So we've kind of had ongoing recruiting for our ads manager position, which is kind of like our entry level media buying spot. But we are also 
Going to be on the lookout for another director of media buying. So the director of media buying, they have media buyers and ads managers reporting into them. They're responsible for overseeing their accounts and then they report directly into me. They get to, you know, hop on and we basically are moving the moving the company forward with taking on as many accounts as possible, making sure all our SOPs and training are up to date. And yeah, it's a cool role. And uh, yeah, we'll have a job description up and people can come to the website and check it out. Yeah. So if you're interested, I mean, this is a director of media buying jobs. So this isn't directing like ads or doing the actual media buying itself. You're directing people who do and run the ads and our media buying and ads manager teams, which is how we kind of roll at tier 11. We've got the media buying team. We've got the creative team headed up by Tom, who at one of these points in time, I'm going to have to get him on the podcast. And then we've got our CSM team, customer success management, headed up by Mike. And then we've got our operations team headed up by Deacon. So everything sort of together works in tandem. Media buying is certainly an area that we focused on the first, you know, seven or eight years of the formation of tier 11. Now, you know, I think we've become a very heavy creative organization through Tom's leadership and the director of media buying will help facilitate that and get awesome results for our customers, which we'll be talking about today. So if you're interested in applying for that director of media buying job, as well as the, I think there's four other positions that are open right now, customer success being one of them, head on over to tier11.com forward slash jobs. That's tier11.com forward slash jobs and apply. And you'll probably, if you make the cut, end up talking face-to-face with Angela. So that unto itself is reason to apply. But we are being very strict with this, obviously. We're a very rigorous company, not ruthless. We love the good to great Jim Collins mentality. But this is a place where you can really further your career from a professional and a personal development standpoint where we pride ourselves in being able to do that. So right fits, definitely apply. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash jobs. So let's get right into it, Ange. First off, let's talk a little bit about all this craziness with July CCPA. You got limited data use. What the heck is that? Black Lives Matter, stop hate for profit. Just a few things going on in July. Like what's your take on everything and Mm. how we've been able to sort of navigate it and what you can tell the listeners uh, about what we learned. So we started off end of June, there was the, the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, which is in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, asking advertisers to not advertise on Facebook or Instagram throughout July. And that had quite a few people worried towards the end of June. There were some big name brands jumped on board that. But the the press around it and, and any talk around it seemed to kind of fizzle out after the kind of first week of uh, July. We had obviously, you know, briefed our customers on on what was going on. We didn't advise them one way or the other, but we just made sure that they had all the information so they could make a choice uh, themselves. Turns out, you know, none of, none of our customers chose to actively participate in it. It was mainly big brands. I, I, I don't know that um, how many other smaller brands took part because, as we all know, for a lot of the smaller brands, they'd already been hit with COVID and were already struggling. And you know, Facebook ads are, were, were bringing in a much needed revenue for for a lot of the smaller businesses. So that you know, it didn't seem to have too much of an impact for any of our customers, which uh, was great. And then the next thing that hit uh, was the CCPA. Now, this was one that seemed to kind of 
go under the radar. There wasn't much talk about it in the lead up to July. And then July 1st hit and boom, it was chaos. So the CCPA, California Consumer Privacy Act, it actually had come into effect in in January, but then it was beginning to get enforced on the 1st of July. And so Facebook introduced what was called a limited data use feature. Basically, what that meant is they started limiting data from California. And the first week of July, I I think for for most advertisers, was just utter chaos with this coming in. Nobody really knew what to, uh, to do. Nobody really knew much about it. Facebook weren't really giving us that much information or assistance on how to sift through it. So yeah, we had to, you know, get our lawyers on board and start working through that process and start trying to figure out, okay, you know, are we just going to exclude California from everything? Are we just going to put California into different ad sets? How quickly can uh, we get customers compliant so that we can then toggle? There was a switch in the back end uh, of events manager that you could toggle on uh, and that would mean that the data would start coming through. But it had a huge impact, uh, particularly for a few customers who are, who are very heavy, very heavy advertising in California. It, it was big. It was an immediate impact. Felt mm-hmm. like it was the shock. <laughs> it was the shot heard around the world, not the shock heard around the world. But yeah, we definitely felt it big time because all of our advertisers rely on Facebook as I would say the primary driver of their business for new customers. I, I can't think of a single one where it isn't. You know, they might have good organic reach and email lists and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, their place where they find new customers is Facebook, so they rely on this and. Well, a lot of it's from the U.S. and a big portion of the U.S. is California and the state Mm -hmm. of California, which we found out very quickly is a huge chunk of that whole pie or piece of that pie. And, you know, for us, I think it was a it was an interesting time. There was a fair amount of, you know, it was really it happened over just a week or so Mm. and our legal response to it. It, it it took a little bit for our attorneys to really fully digest the legislation where we actually found that, you know, as an agency, we were in good shape based upon where we sort of stood and what we had done prior to this GDPR sort of notwithstanding, but we were in a good spot for it. But the point was, is our customers' results were starting to really be sacrificed. And, you know, the end result of that was what? We had to go to them specifically and say, hey, we need you to do X, Y, and Z, correct? Yep, absolutely. We we gave them as much information as we could without giving offering them legal advice around it. And then once they had given us confirmation that they were CCPA compliant, then getting them to toggle that switch back. Uh, and then we thought that this was all going to con- not end at the end of July, but Facebook had said they were only bringing this feature in for July. And then after July, uh, the data would start flowing normally again. And then it was really the onus was on, you know, the businesses to make sure that they were compliant. Well, then Facebook extended it. Now, I think they thought that that was a good thing. And yeah. I get it, but that was just like, oh, so we, we, we have to continue to, you know, deal with it and make sure stringently that everybody is is compliant before that switch gets toggled. So, yeah, the, the current transition period is now running until October 20th. So there's some toggles, as I say, in the settings of your events manager. If you go in there, there's a, a toggle that the, the section is limited data use. 
and you can there's three different options in there end transition period so that will mean that the, all the data will start flowing if you've got extend transition period on that means the data is not flowing and will continue not to flow until October 20th so just you, you got to make sure that you're compliant with CCPA so yeah so that was some of the tumultuousness in uh, July and June but we kind of came out of it with you know, getting some pretty good results, even in spite of that turmoil, so to speak. So let's talk about like what's working right now. Forget the, you know, the legal stuff. Nobody gets on this show to talk legal privacy policy things, but we got to mention it, you know, for your protection here, but let's talk about the really juicy things that have been really working here. And, you know, the purpose of this show is to tell you guys what's working for us, but also tell you what's not working because not everything that we try works. Okay. It's like, you know, if you're three out of 10, you're pretty damn good. You're in the hall of fame. You're batting 300. I know that analogy might get lost on you as an Australian (laughs) Scozzi, but the point is, it's like, you're going to have a lot of failure here. So, but when we find something that really works, that 30%, that 20%, like we scale the hell out of it. And we've been starting to do that making some really cool observations here and what's working now, which is, I think it's got the entire team really charged up. Mm-hmm. especially coming out of a really challenging time in a time in July when you know a lot of results took a nosedive because of CCPA and other factors. So let's talk about like some really cool stuff we got going on right now, like level one cold traffic. Maybe you can just explain to people just a refresher what that is and get right into some of the results. So, you know, we've got the Ecomad amplifier with our different levels. So our level one, which is, you know, a lot of people call our cold traffic. That's where we're, you know, we're hitting our interest audiences, lookalikes, broad audiences. And we've got one customer who's in the cell. They're a large supplier of seafood and they they absolutely crush it on level one. You know, they, they're sitting at, you know, regularly six six x ROAS to their level one traffic. And six X ROAS mm-hmm. to level one cold traffic. Yes. So these aren't like people have visited their website, fans of their page, no. followed them. No. Okay. No, none of that. That cold traffic. And just really we've been looking into, you know, why why does that why does this work so well? And we've kind of narrowed it down to, you know, three kind of key things that that really work. One is well, they have a great brand well, more, yeah. Not even that. They have a great offer. Yeah. The, the, the product is is priced well and it's something that people want. And when people get it, it's an amazing product. Good offer. Start off with a good offer. Always helps. Always. But when they came to us, they were spending what? Like they had spent like a grand in the last couple of years or like several thousand dollars, I think, on Facebook ads. And they're a, you know, a mid eight figures company. This is not a small mm-hmm. company, but they were adversely affected by COVID. And we're like, man, we got this Shopify store that we haven't really sent a lot of stuff to. And we're doing pretty good with pay-per-click like on Google, but can we make Facebook work? So we looked at this. I remember when we were assessing this one through an SAP or at least an initial view. We're yeah. like, man, I think we could do some good stuff here. So Hell yeah. Because <laughs> we recognized the offer was distinctive it wasn't yet another supplement. <laughs> like, no. no offense to the supplement issue. We spend uh, millions per year on supplements, but like, there's a lot of supplements out there. But this is a yep. really unique offer and one that was really good. And the market was primed for, especially considering delivery. Like, yes. people couldn't go out to restaurants. We're like, wow, mm-hmm. this is the time for them to really take off. So, good offer, good timing. 
But even as we're coming out of COVID a little bit here and, you know, depending on which state you're in, in the U.S., it still is doing great, which is Mm -hmm. even more exciting. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So, you know, just analyzing what's working there. So they have great offer, one. The, the ad creative is, is super simple and it's just super simple close up of the product. It's not a, high, a highly digitized, you know, perfect photo. It's just some UGC content, user generated content of the product in use and it looks great. So that's kind of second key thing. Yeah, I remember looking at their Instagram page because that was really kind of the only images that they had. I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is so mouthwateringly good. Salivating. Yeah. Like, and they're not even trying. Like they had a good no. social media team. They still have a good social media team, but they hadn't incorporated any of this into paid traffic. So mm-hmm. we're like, good offer, check, great images. Mm-hmm. And then what else? We're beginning the copy with a compelling testimonial. The testimonial is like common pain points that people have with this type of product because this is a, it's a commonly sold product that you you know in the supermarket, but this company has just nailed the 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 actual pain points that people have with buying this product, and this testimonial absolutely speaks to that. So, great offer, really good product shot, but not really high quality ones like UGC close-ups of the nice of the product and then great copy with a compelling testimonial that speaks to the pain points. Yeah, there's really no ad, there's no copywriting in these ads. I mean, I know obviously our media buyers and our creative team are, are working hard on this, but it's like if you can put a testimonial, tell other people how great you are and hit the pain points of the perceived downside risk of the product right in a quote, it's like there's your ad copy. Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, so well, yeah, it's just images at this point. How, how much video are we running for these guys? I don't think that much. No, is, we, yeah, we've, we've tried short gifs, but they haven't, they, they haven't really taken off. They get a lot of the, uh, they get a lot of the impressions, but right. they haven't converted. So we've 
most of the time just had to switch them off pretty quickly because they just hog the spend and don't produce results. It's the images that really work for these guys. Yeah. Which, you know, we've talked about the love demo, love sandwich video ad type here on the show, which we do really enjoy. And I know that, you know, Ezra's team and Molly have come on here talking about something that's very similar to that for the boom products specifically, but we don't even have video for this. It was like, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily need it. So this is one of those cases where, all right, well, on perpetual traffic, like tier 11 uses video on, like we just had analysis done by Facebook. They're like, you guys are like way above the norm for agencies you know, you know, your spend wise or like your larger spend, but like way above the norm when it comes to video utilization. So we're very video heavy, but we're not even really using much, if any video here, especially on the cold traffic side, which is the hardest side to really convert. So it speaks to the offer, great images, easy testimonials that like speak to that need or that desire or that objection or issue that they might have with this particular product. And boom, you got like a winning campaign. Yeah. Pretty awesome. It's great to see. And yeah, we're loving working with these guys. They're, they're a great, great partner to have. And that's 6X ROAS. Mm -hmm. So $1,000 spent, 6000 back. Correct. Like, yeah, that ain't mm -hmm. too shabby. A dollar in, $6 out. I'll take that any day of the week. Better than any investment you could ever make uh, outside yeah. of Facebook and Instagram <laughs> advertising. That's for sure. So the audiences with these guys, I mean, is there anything sort of, well, that sounds great and everything on the creative, but like, how are you targeting them? Like, mm. what, what's the secret sauce there? A lot of interest targeting there. They tend to do better in certain states. The, mm -hmm. the West Coast, they do well. They also do well in, in New York too. So interest targeting with different, you know, looking at the different states as well. We're also having a lot of success across the board as well with these larger lookalikes, like 5 and 10% lookalikes have been working really well in a lot of accounts of late. So that's great. And then we're still continuing with like our, what we call the BANT, the broad audience, no targeting. That does work. In not all accounts, that's, you know, if you've got a really great offer, that's where you can really get your, your broad audiences to really crush it. Yeah, for sure. So that's not just specific to this customer. Nope. That's agency-wide, we're seeing that. Going back to interest targeting, a lot of people, like, you know, for example, like we've got one customer where Andy Griffith is the interest. And that's, like, we wouldn't have done that probably three years ago, but... Mm -mm. Our media buyer, alongside you know a lot of the people that are on staff and the creative team as well, like they dove deep into this research and figured out, okay, where can we get interest targeting that meets the demographic for that particular customer? That wasn't the you know the one for this customer no. in the seafood niche, but the point is, is like don't forget about interest targeting. Molly does a really good job of explaining this, at least in the last two or three episodes that we've had her on here on perpetual traffic. And, you know, we, we refer to it as totally tangential targeting. Like if you've got something that's close, find something that's just slightly tangential. Andy Griffith being one of them, probably like half the people who listen to the show don't even know who Andy Griffith is, but, but he's yeah, a different I, person in Australia too, apparently. I, he's, a, he's a very, very famous Andy Griffith, um, Australian author, kids author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that I was one. So confused. Maybe we should try that one if they ever, you know, I don't know if they ever start doing business in Australia. But point is, is don't forget about interest targeting and figure out what does work. And one of the ninja tips that Rita talked about on episode two, 262 and 263 is to even use a smaller audience that's hyper-targeted for your avatar. And I think she used Kajabi. If you don't know what Kajabi is, definitely Google it. But 
Kajabi for that interest for that particular campaign and then threw on expanded targeting, like expanded interest targeting. So you can do this in a lot of different ways, but don't forget about interest targeting. I know a lot of people are hyper-focused on lookalikes, especially after they've been running ads for a while to breathe fresh air and, and fresh blood into your campaigns revisit some of the targeting that you've done in the past for interest, and you might be amazed by the results. Totally. So campaign strategies, let's talk about that. Like what else is working there? Tell us a little bit more of what we've been testing. We've been doing a lot of DCO, so that's dynamic creative objective in our Facebook ads. And that's, it's not a, a campaign objective, but it's, you know, we ca it's called DCO and it's set at, at the, where well, you set it at the ad set level. There's a little toggle if you say that you want this to be a dynamic ad. And what it allows you to do is to put multiple, multiple images, videos, headlines, ad copy. You can test the, the but which button to put on the ad. You can have multiple variations within the one ad. And then Facebook cycles through and tries to, you know, figure out what is the best combination to show in the actual in the actual feed when people see the ad. So we've been using that to really quickly test hooks and creatives for uh, quite a few of our customers. And yeah, we're getting some some really good results there. What we're kind of doing is we're, we're setting the DCO live. We're trying to see if we can get those initial signals early on without having to spend too much. So, you know, is there, you know, one particular headline that's, that's getting all the spend and producing some results? So trying to make quick decisions there on the DCOs and then take those learnings and put them into another ad where we can build it out and scale it. So yeah. doing a lot of that this month. Yeah. I mean, this is, we have dabbled with DCO like on and off, I think for the last couple of years, I forget when it was first introduced and we kind of got away from it and now we're back in it. And mm. like for our tier 11 ads, we're running DCO ads right now, but they're doing really, really well. So we might not pull out the best ones and throw it into a regular, or maybe a CBO campaign. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good tool. I, I still think the reporting is still clunky. It is. It doesn't give you like the combination of headline and creative and, you know, copy all in one. So that, I don't know, like there's a, yeah. <laughs> there's a better way to do it. But the point is, is that you can get very clear signals uh, very quickly with lower ad spend and then pull that out and then start on a scaling campaign if you choose to go that route or just keep it in the DCO if you're getting good results and scale that up. Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple of golden rules of Facebook ads. One is, you know, don't turn something off if it's working. Mm. And the second one, which is relates to, you know, the DCO as well is don't not start a new ad because you're worried about audience overlap. Never preempt not doing something because you think something might overlap. You know, deal with it yeah. when it becomes an issue. So you mean fear? Fear, yes. Yes. Fear for a media buyer? Never. Never. Fear is a part of this whole thing, guys, especially mm -hmm. when you're spending your own money or your customer's own money. Absolutely. Fear is omnipresent and something that you need to overcome. You know, and, and thankfully, you know, we've got some experience here. We understand that not everything is going to work, but still like you can't, you cannot steal second base if, unless you take your foot off first. Sorry, another baseball analogy. And, but the point is you've got to take some risks and that involves fear. So if that's the case here, like always keep that in mind. Like when you're trying something new, you're going to spend money. Sometimes you're going to lose money. Make sure there is you know, you're not spending a thousand dollar a day budget when you only have a hundred dollars in your bank account. Like dude, just mm -hmm. put things in there. Like first time I ever ran Facebook ads and I spent $7,000 in one day. 
Oh, that's I don't right. Know if I've ever told that one. I was with yeah. Christian Mingle affiliate way back when, with not a single conversion, by the way. Oh no. So don't do that. But the point is, mm-hmm. is like overcome that fear because that's the only way that you're going to learn and grow. So campaign strategies, we got DCOs that are working pretty well here, testing hooks and creatives. Tell us about uh, CBO. Like, what are you seeing with CBO right now? CBO is a tool that we've had a love-hate relationship with for a few years now. We were actually, well, you know, I I was one of the first people to test CBO when they were doing a beta test of it, That's just right. trying to figure out. Yeah, that, that, that was, I think that Mind was Valley, three way years back ago. When? Yeah. 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 Yeah, a long time ago. But yeah, it's been one of these, these tools that's been kind of up and down in performance, but we're having some really good results with it right now for scaling. And our highest spending account last month that had 70% of the budget running as CBO campaigns. And what did so they spend? Over 600K. That's a pretty good CBO mm-hmm. chunk right there. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, it's campaign budget optimization. If you're not familiar with what it is, I'll put some links in the show notes here. Molly did a whole thing on it a month or so ago, which I thought was a really good sort of getting back to basics. It was obviously, it was, you know, a, a thing that Facebook was going to switch everything over to. And now it's since backed off on that. We still have ABO, what we refer to as ad set budget optimization, but campaign budget optimization, we've stuck with it here. We've figured out sort of its spot, like where we put it in the armamentarium of tools that we use and it's yeah. working out really nice. Yeah. And using it with bid cap or cost cap has, is also something that you can play around with and can help to get you consistent results. However, it, it, you know, the caveat with any bid cap or cost cap campaign is, you know, you got to make sure it's spending as well. Cause if you've, if you set them too low, you're just going to reduce your delivery. And I know we've been doing a lot of experiments, which I think everyone's really excited about. We even have an experiments quota going on on the media buying team, uh, which Ben from Facebook is very excited about, by the way. I talked to him yesterday about that. So, but yeah, tell us what experiments are, how you guys are using them and what kind of success we're having. It used to be called test and learn. And so it's basically where you can do lots of, you can do split tests, you can do holdout tests. There's a few different tests you can do in there. And yeah, we've really been, challenging everybody on the, the media buying team to do more experiments to uh, actually test things as opposed to just trying other you know things in the account you know is that that difference between actually testing and just trying so we've been using experiments we're actually doing some account-wide holdout tests uh, to measure lift at certain parts of the funnel so that's super cool we, we haven't completed those yet so you know maybe next time I'm on we can talk more about these experiments we're also okay. been testing things on the landing page side so testing different price points with those customers that are willing to you know test those things, testing different leads on the landing page. And then, you know, things like our our A-B test that you would do kind of in Facebook ads manager itself, testing different tactics within there. So yeah, lots of experiments going on. So it's really interesting to to use that tool, see what's capable, which some things, you know, particularly the holdout test, you had to you always used to have to just go through Facebook to get them done, work with marketing signs and spend a big budget to to even get any of these running. So very cool that we can do these on smaller budgets and uh, still get, you know, results out of it. So yeah, more, more on that to come. Yeah. And there's a difference between saying that you're testing and actually testing. Like this is actually testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have a science background. There's a big difference. To, oh, I'm testing and I'm actually, I'm doing a test. Yes. 
Big Ex- difference. Experiments is scientific in that way. It will give you a result as opposed to just sort of eyeballing it. Absolutely. Like we use DCO as like, we're testing it. And that's air quotes. It's like, we're not really like, you know, p-value testing it going back to the mm-hmm. pharmaceutical days, but we're getting a signal there. Like an experiment is a legitimate test. Yes. Yeah. So uh, definitely, if you haven't been into experiments to see what's available, you just, you know, when you're in your ads manager, it's one of the the selections in the menu, go to experiments. And then there's some really good explanations there of what each of the different types are and um, what you need to do to set them up. So yeah, go check it out. Very cool. Yeah, we'll leave uh, links in the show notes for that as well on experiments. Last but not least, and probably most excitingly, is that a word? I have no idea. I, guess I think so. We just made it up. A little bit more on the, the client highlights side of things. And uh, we obviously we talked about the one in the seafood niche. Let's talk about another one, which I think we're all pretty darn excited about, especially I think the media buyer, Heather, is pretty excited about it too. Mm-hmm. So tell yes. us about what's going on there. Yeah, so we had a new customer start in June and they were spending roughly 3k a day in the beauty niche. There it's a certification course that they offer in the beauty niche and yeah, they'd pivoted from online events with COVID to offering an online course that there was they were actually only doing in-person events prior to COVID and they came to us for help with scaling and our amazing media buyer Heather managed to scale them to over 15k yes that's right 15,000 per day at a 3x ROAS by the end of July, they were doing that and they had their biggest revenue month ever. So we're super stoked about having this customer on board. Great, they're a great customer to work with. Again, they have a great offer, great which, offer. you know, we talked about before with uh, the seafood customer, a great offer kind of tr- out trumps everything. The key things I think that allowed Heather to scale, you know, of course, we they had a good offer already. Uh, we did a complete com- creative overhaul. They, you know, they, they didn't have very many creatives prior to coming with us. So creative team did a great job overhauling and uh, what they had and adding new stuff in. And then really, you know, we talked about fear before Heather pushing aside her fear and, and just scaling, scaling, scaling like to the moon and back. Tell our audience here, because we don't talk about this as much, but we've already touched on it a couple of times so far. We actually used one of the most scary <laughs> movies like that I've watched uh, recently to talk about this very subject. Fear is a part of business and it's a part of running Facebook ads. The, you know, the, the actual experiment was for everyone on the management team to watch Saving Private Ryan, and they were going to discuss it as to how it relates to all things at Tier 11. And there's so mm-hmm. many aspects, especially the leadership side, where it, it relates. Plus, it's my favorite movie of all time. But anyway, <laughs> that being aside, anything, any reason why I could actually watch it again, how did she set aside that fear, in your opinion? Like, what was the key to that? Because I know we've got agencies here we've got businesses here like it's scary like i'm spending real money it's like i don't know if it's gonna work like how did she overcome that support from the team support from her manager as well that's that's a big a big thing you know there's a few of us in the agency who have scaled big and and got up to those you know large 10 to 20 and above k spends per day so really 
it's communication as well. Communication with her direct uh, manager, communication with the team and yeah, just consistently just, just pushing herself out of her comfort zone. We do have trainings, you know, at one of our trainings for our media buyers is scaling. So there's the, the tactics of scaling, but then we also have one that is the mindset of scaling. I, re- I recorded one of those videos for that. And in that, you know, I'm talking about when I've made mistakes, but then also how I've managed to push through them to scale and to scale accounts. And yeah, it's really just tapping into that experience of other people and knowing that she's supported and, you know, also then having your checks and balances in place, you know, knowing the account intimately, knowing what kind of front end metrics are going to lead to your final, your final KPIs and just really checking, you know, and having rules in place sometimes that are going to switch things off when uh, you're sleeping or when be spending out of control. So yeah, it's, there's the tactics in Facebook and that you can use to, to monitor it and then the support of the team and just trusting yourself that you've got this. But I mean, the, the idea of this, there is fear. And I think this Saving mm-hmm. Private Ryan, the movie, like it shows fear and then cowering from fear. And then in other cases, fear and overcoming that fear. And I absolutely think, you know, this is a fearful job or it's a fearful occupation because dollars, like once you spend those dollars, you ain't ever getting them back. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, why that's such a great movie. And it's a proxy for what we do here, especially in media buying, when you are spending, you know, tens of 15, 20, 30, 40. We've got a customer now that wants to spend $100,000 a day, wants to spend 60K first, 100K after. After a mm-hmm. while, it's all just zeros. Like the first time I spent, you spent, I'm sure, $10 a day, $100 mm-hmm. a day, $1,000 a day, $10,000 a day. I've spent $100,000 a day many times. Like it's scary, but mm-hmm. it really is just another zero. All the systems work. You probably need more help, more support, especially at those very, very high levels. But the point is, is like you have to overcome it. And it's about like overcoming your like your comfort zone, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And in this case, Heather had some experiences when she first started with Tier 11 where it was really frustrating. Like she wasn't getting results and since turned around, you know, this customer account like amazingly well. And I think it's the confidence that you get, like when you actually do something outside of your comfort zone, you at least do it. You don't cower, you know, Mm -hmm. like in the movie, there's a guy that actually cowers from fear, but then eventually comes back. Point is you've got to get outside of your comfort zone. And this is no different than that. It's not like you're facing life and death in World War II, you know, in Germany in 1944 or 45, whenever that was. But the point is, it's like fear is, uh, you know, it's a very big thing when you're doing this, especially at scale. And we're spending, you know, millions and millions per month of our customers' money. So there's a lot of fear that goes into it. But credit to Heather for really pushing through that and allowing now thousands of people to experience the benefits of this product, which is transformative, which absolutely. is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So yeah, great work to her. So that's a huge uh, case study. A couple of, couple of big highlights here in uh, July and into August. I think we've got uh, you know some good things happening. We've also we're continuing to expand, like we said. So if you're interested in working uh, at Tier Eleven, like I said before, head on over to Tier Eleven forward slash jobs. We have a director of media buying role, creative strategist, CSM, a couple of others. There's probably be a few more up there by the time this show airs, but. 
yeah, definitely check that out at, at tier11.com forward slash jobs. So, Ange, thanks for coming on this week's show. This has been tremendous. Yet another great what's working now, as well as a little bit more than just what what's working now. So awesome to have you on Perpetual Traffic, as always. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Yeah, you betcha. All right. So for all the show notes, all the resources that we mentioned here in this week's show, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 268. I can't believe that. That's now over five years of shows. If you've been listening since episode one, we love you. Spread the word. It's a nice review on Honest Review on iTunes if you'd like and help other marketers understand exactly how to conquer these platforms here as well as the other ones that we talk about every single week on the show. So once again, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast episode 268. Until next week, everyone, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.